What is going on, guys? And welcome back to the First in Tech podcast. I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Jake Cacavaro. And I'm Assistant Sports Editor Nicholas Schnecker. We're going to start doing things a little bit different here on the First in Tech podcast. We decided to, we're going to decide to have football specific episodes coming out every week. That will be at our normal time coming out on Thursday morning. This one in particular is going to be basically everything else that's not football. And then when we transition to the winter, it'll be basketball and everything that's not basketball. We just want to make sure that all the sports are getting covered here on the podcast and we're going to be able to run through quite a few of them today. Before we get into it, like we're going to start every podcast, we're going to talk about something from the sports world that is not NC State related. And today, I think I'm going to throw a little bit of a little bit of a curveball to you guys. We're going to talk about tennis. And I know tennis is everybody's favorite sport. If we're talking about the end of the U.S. Open, I did actually watch it. There you go. That's probably the only tennis I've watched in the last couple of years. Nadal almost choked it away. Yes, he did. And that's sort of what we're going to talk about. But we're going to talk about how in this current era, we are watching three of the greatest tennis players really of all time. And particularly talking about men's tennis and Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. Um, I have some some stats here in the men's tennis records on an unconfirmed website that Roger Federer has 99 titles in the open era, Nadal with 80, and Djokovic with 72. And that is second, fourth, and sixth in the all-time list. So I just kind of want to get you guys' opinion on do you guys watch tennis and is there any other sport that we're really watching three of the greatest of all time right now? I don't watch much tennis, but I think Yes, that is true. There are other sports where we're watching some of the greatest people. And I mean, people have probably figured out by now that soccer is my main sport, and so that's what I'm going to talk about. The fact that you have two players of the caliber that Messi and Ronaldo are playing at the same time right now is just unprecedented. It's very similar to that with tennis. It's the two best players in the world, just about unarguably. You could Some people are going to throw Pele in there, but you can't. That's just my opinion. He's not at the same level. If you look at the competition he was playing against, it's just not the same. So I think it is. There are I don't. Well, I don't watch tennis much. There are definitely other sports where we're seeing a similar. Now is the kind of heyday of the best. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer have won the last twelve Grand Slams. I mean, for, for the last three years, like no one has won one except for them. It's it's insane. And even going back, like. Nadal's won something like I think like 11 of the last 13 uh, French Opens Federer or Djokovic wins at Wimbledon every year like they're the three greatest men's tennis players of all time um, I know you wanted to keep it on men's but I mean Serena Williams yeah, the greatest absolutely. women's yeah. tennis player ever probably one of the greatest women athletes of all time yeah. um, it's just yeah it's there's other sports where, we're, where we see a couple like in like Nicholas said in soccer like Messi, the goat, and Ronaldo. Thank you. And then, and then in football, like Tom Brady, and you just had Peyton Manning retire a couple years ago. But Aaron, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. But I don't think any other sport where you've got three, the clear cut three greatest ever, and that's what yeah. Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic are. I say soccer is probably the closest to it. Yeah, right I'd, now. I'd, I'd agree. I think soccer is pretty close. But when just like watching tennis, and I don't do it a whole lot. But when I turn it on and I see one of those three playing, like I, I just want to watch it because of how good they are. You watch it, especially Nadal, in my opinion, 
you watch him play and the athleticism and just the way he moves around the the court is insane. I I like to say that um, baseball in the coming years is going to be very similar because I think you got Mike Trout, who's already there, in my opinion, is the greatest player of all time. Um, and then there's a lot of young guys that are that are getting there, prefer, particularly um, Bellinger and Christian Yelich. So I feel like that's pretty close, um, maybe in the coming years. But I think in general, we're kind of entering or have been in this weird heyday of sports where there's the greats or like people that are in the conversation as the greats have been playing constantly. And I think it's probably got something to do with like advancement in like sports science. But like even if you look at hockey, you've got Ovechkin and Crosby who are up there in that conversation. They're obviously not Gretzky or anything, but they're up there with the best soccer you've got, like we talked about Messi and Ronaldo, Tom Brady over in the NFL. I mean, every sport kind of has at least one or two guys that you can say are in that conversation currently. Yeah, I think it's just like the kind of like what you said with sports science, like the athletes now are the greatest, like the most, the strongest, the fastest, the biggest athletes have ever been. Like you look back in what's considered like the heyday of baseball and you had like Babe Ruth was one of the, is considered one of the greatest players ever. He wouldn't even he wouldn't even yeah. be able to play college baseball. He, he, like, he, he, would, nowadays, he would get like laughed off the field. I, yeah, I argue like, that no. to people, and they're like, "Nah, no way." Yeah. I'm like, "Dude, Babe Ruth would wouldn't even be close no, to near." No, the no, coach, no coach would look at him. You look at videos of like even like Mickey Mantle or Joe DiMaggio hitting. Yeah. Like someone like Max Scherzer striking him out on three pitches straight. He's just blowing three fastballs by him, and it's over. Like there's no chance. Like every, every sport now is 10, 20 times better like in terms of pure athleticism than it used to be in the even as recently as like you look at they always play on espn classic they play old like 1980s basketball which people consider like the best ever and they these guys wouldn't like obviously like michael jordan larry bird like those those guys could play but you look at most of the guys on those championship winning teams they're not even going to be playing in like the even in the early aughts like they're, they're not playing I, th- I think the advancement of that, and I think just sports, I think we're going to start seeing more of it. Like, there are going to be these new players that are constantly popping up that are just going to be better. And I think that's how it is. You'll always get people that are like, oh, the the players from my era are the best because they want to be, right. like, that's how fondly they remember them. Yeah. But if you're telling me that, like, I'm going to bring it back to soccer because that's what I know. If you're telling me Kylian Mbappe isn't going to be, like, the third best player ever in the net after 15 years of him playing... I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. He's probably already top five in the world, and he's, what, 19, maybe 20? He'll be 19 forever in my eyes. (laughs) I think think the young talent in every sport, you can say that for, and I think it'll that, like you said, it'll continue to be that way forever. And we could talk about this forever, I'm sure, Um, but, you know, maybe we need to start a new podcast series about debating these sort of topics. But um, we're going to jump into NC State Athletics, Um, everything except football, which will be coming out, like I said, on Thursday morning. Um, But we're going to start with volleyball. Volleyball started 2-0, lost the last three at the VCU Invitational to VCU, UC Santa Barbara, and Alabama. Um, And they'll be playing ECU. They're playing ECU, actually, um, the night we're recording this. So we'll see what happens there. Um, But Melissa Evans leads the team with 67 kills. I don't think that is really an, a shocker to anybody. And, um, you know, there's a couple of people, I think, in the 30s and someone at 40. But Melissa Evans is basically just like the star of the team for volleyball. 
Yes, she is. And um, I believe there was one game where she she missed the game too because I think she's only played four of the five games. And it's just like, obviously, I haven't been able to watch every single match, but it's she's the team is infinitely better when she's on the floor. And um, it's kind of tough. They started off with two and zero. I mean, they beat Austin P and Kansas State. And I thought they were – because they're, they're a very junior and senior heavy team, so they're pretty experienced. And I thought they would be able to go into the VCU Invitational. I thought they would probably sweep it or maybe drop one. But they they got their butts handed to them. Pretty shocking. Yeah, I mean, looking at that Kansas State win, like if I'm remembering our preview on it correctly, they were a very good team coming in – coming off of last year. And State handled them very well. So this kind of 0-3 at this Invitational is a pretty big surprise. But, you know, you still have a lot of other players that are starting to kind of come into their own this season. You've got, who's their new uh, libero? Kaylee Frazier. Yeah. 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 She's played really well. She yeah. has. And you have Grace Irvin, who has a 56% ace percentage, however you say that. But um, she's by far the best on the team in that statistic. And I've seen um, NC State volleyball Twitter account tweet that many times about her getting an ace. So um, after ECU, they're traveling to App State to play App State. Western Carolina and Iowa State, uh, I believe that is this weekend. So hopefully they'll be able to turn it around and um, and get back on track after losing those three in a row. Um, at for that we're gonna transition over to soccer, and uh, you know we have Nicholas the expert here in in soccer. But um, men's soccer they played once since we were last recorded about soccer. So what's going on with them? I mean, they're still looking really good, and I'm actually kind of got the men's soccer team on the mind currently because they play again tonight against William and Mary, and today they just released the first episode of their Behind the Badge series, which it seems like every team at state is now releasing their kind of behind the scenes little documentary yeah, thing. I've seen a couple of sports do it now, and it it was really interesting. It was really interesting watch. Definitely worth a watch. It's about I think the first episode's around seven minutes long. But yeah, they bounced back uh, after the loss to St. John's with a 1-0 win over Longwood. And, you know, they've they've scored three goals in their game so far. And two of them have come from center backs. One of them has come from Kudamasque, who's actually looked really, really good up front. He was injured last year, didn't play at all. But coming into this year, he's looked really good. He's like 6'2", really athletic forward, great in the box. But a lot of their scoring is coming from the back, which with their three back isn't too surprising because when you've got that much size with having three center backs, you're able to be really dangerous from set pieces, which is where they've scored. And I think David Norris, who's the third of those center backs, scored during the preseason. I think he scored the winner at UNC as well. So their defense has been really productive. The main issue is the offense hasn't really gotten going. Kuda Musque is the only forward that has scored. You know, Lorera hasn't found the back of the net since the ECU exhibition. Uh, Machado hasn't found the back of the net. And those happy, guys... Happy birthday, David Lorera. Yes. The way. He, his birthday is today. I saw Indeed. that. Happy birthday. Yeah. And he he's going to step up this year. There's no doubt Absolutely. about that. He will hit... When he starts firing, he's going... It's gonna He's going to be unstoppable. He's such a good player. So if they can get their offense kind of going a little bit more as they start to get towards the tougher teams... They're going to be really good, but if that offense doesn't start firing, I would be a little bit worried. That's kind of been their mindset. I, I think I remember last year as well. They've been a really you know defense-minded team. It mm. seems like they play really slow, and I don't know whether that's the you know 
the theme of men's soccer or not, but it seems like they're a defense first team. I would say they are, and the formation probably lends itself to that. When you've got a three, four, two, one, like they play, you know, you have that flat four in midfield that the two outside mids who, as far as I can remember, this season has been Aiden Foster and Ivy Brisma. They can drop back and it becomes a five back really quickly. One of them can drop back and it becomes a four back. So it's really versatile defensively, but those players need to get forward as well. So when they can create the width and they can get the ball into the box in those wide positions, they're a dangerous team. So men's soccer two and one after the three regular season games play William and Mary the day we're recording this. So you guys will know what has happened then. And uh, then they have a home match against Boston College on Saturday. So now moving to the other side with women's soccer, they played Iowa. I believe Iowa was undefeated at that Mm -hmm. point. They were, yeah. Struggled against Iowa, unranked. You know, I don't know who Iowa's played, but they were undefeated. A lot of local schools from their area, as far as I can tell, a lot from that kind of northern Midwest, if that makes sense. Like kind of southern Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, that area. So Iowa came to Raleigh, I believe, mm-hmm. and yep. took a game from the pack. And then NC State turned around and looked really good against Duquesne. So uh, Tazara King, King missed mm-hmm. the Iowa game. Yeah, so that was, was a big negative for the team. Yeah, she was suspended. She got a red card in their 1-0 win over Monmouth. But she has looked really good. The There's kind of an interesting trend with this team. They've got three players that have scored two goals this season. King, Chrissy Schuster and Lulu Gutenberg. Of those players, only Chrissy Schuster has scored in multiple games. Gutenberg got a, or netted twice in their win over Duquesne, which as a center back, pretty surprising, but the goals were kind of, she stayed up after a set piece and got it, and I believe the other one was this really intricate uh, set piece routine that they have been running off corners where she got it at the edge of the box and just brilliant shot into the top corner. But it seems like the goals are coming in bunches for some of these players. And if they need more consistent scoring from their main forwards, I mean, the two two of their three forwards are freshmen, true freshmen, with Jamise Joseph and Leah Hall Robinson. And they've looked good, but they haven't. I mean, uh, Joseph had a goal and an assist against Duquesne as well, and so she's looked all right. But they haven't looked terribly confident in front of goal. But I think once those two start firing, they're going to be fine because that they're a really talented duo. So women's soccer's three and two travel to Minnesota on Thursday the twelfth, then home match against Furman on Sunday. We're gonna go to cross country now. I wrote a cross country piece uh, this week, kind of talking about starting their season. Their first meet is on the twentieth. It'll be in Cary at Wake Med, I believe. Yep. And um. You know, it's it's a sport that's not talked about at NC State for reasons that they don't have many home meets, um, and it's not necessarily as exciting sport to watch as any of the others, but the cross-country teams are really good. Uh, the women's team is coming off an ACC title, a first place at the Southeast Regional, and a twelfth or 13th place finish at NCAA Championships. And the men, pretty similarly, um, they did not perform quite as well at the ACC Championship finishing third, but they won the Southeast region and then finished 11th at NCAAs. So it's really an interesting situation because they don't really have meets at home. The only one is going to be in Cary. But a lot of the school's best athletes are on this team. 
You, the women's team has six of their top seven returning from last year, including Ellie Ellie Hens, who has who's like the best uh, runner at NC State by far. And um, it should be a pretty good year for both squads. The women's team in particular, I think, has a chance to do quite a bit. And um, it'll be really interesting to see. But the meet is on Friday the 20th, Wake Med Soccer Park. And um, the men's will run a 6K starting at 6 p.m. And the women a 5K starting at 6.25 p.m. So we'll keep you guys updated on that. Now we're going to move over to golf. Um, Both the men and the women... Uh, played this weekend the men at the gopher invitational and didn't necessarily perform very well no they had a couple of guys uh christian salazar and uh easton paxton do all right but the team as a whole didn't do fantastic yeah uh salazar had a pretty good final round uh it was pretty nice he shot 69 on sunday um only two other players shot better than him that day so that's something you like to see um He's a senior, so it's not much to build on outside of that. But they did finish 12 out of the 13 teams. Um, Their total score was 28 over par. So not very good, especially when you consider what I'm about to say next, 32 shots off first place. That's something they want to get tightened up, especially because last year they weren't great, but they got better as the season progressed. And I think they finished the ACC somewhere around sixth. Um, so maybe hopefully they'll replicate that this year and that start off slow and finish strong, but we'll have to see how it goes. Finishing sixth in the ACC isn't terrible as well, because I know the ACC is really good in golf, especially just North Carolina in general. I know UNC and Wake Forest are both quite good at golf. Yeah, Salzer and Paxson both have been here for a while, and they they both have performed pretty well throughout their career. So I would expect them to to help out the team even more than they are now and get the team a little bit back on track. The women uh, finished today as we're recording this on Tuesday. Kind of a similar story. They finished 14th of 17 and a six over par uh, final round with 20 over par for the tournament. Um, And they just similarly, I don't think they had a very particularly good year last year. Hopefully like the men's team, they can continue to build on their first tournament. But that is the last NC State sport we have today. We're going to highlight a commentary written by Will Thornhill this week. I, I really like Will's like opinion pieces he's written recently, When it, whether it was his Wolfpack wager from, was it last week? Yeah. That yeah. he wrote, that was pretty good. And then also this piece, he wrote uh, some about the early success of the ACC network so far which is something I've really enjoyed, and I know I'll enjoy going through the year being able to watch more games. Just to put it simply, just being able to watch more state games. Yeah, it's been a really interesting addition for the ACC. It's They talked about it quite a bit in Charlotte at the media day for, uh, for college football. In 2017, as Will cites in his article, the ACC ranked fourth out of five Power Five conferences in total revenue. Considering how good the ACC is in many of the sports, that definitely shouldn't be the case. I mean, I can see the mm-hmm. SEC yeah. being at the top for, yeah. you know, its success in football and in baseball. And a little bit in basketball. They have some, they've had some recent decent teams yeah, in basketball. Yeah, for sure. But then the ACC just really being able to, you know, dominate basketball in terms of conferences for the most part. And then a lot of the other, a lot of the other sports as well. That's something that I would, 
expect a change and hopefully the ACC network will help with that revenue. But Will wrote this really well. If you want to see it, make sure to check it out on technicianonline.com. But I think that's all we have for you guys today. Again, I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Jake Cacavaro. And I'm Assistant Sports Editor Nicholas Schnecker. And we'll see you guys on Thursday for the football episode. <laughs>